Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infinite Option Guide podcast, we talk about refueling your weight, finding hope and overcoming fear while adopting with author and adoptive mom, Lacey Richter. Hello there. Welcome back to the Infinite Option Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder, dad of three through Infinite Option. This is where we talk about all about Infinite Option. So you can get the inspiration, resources, and hope and community to start on your adventure, help you all the way through and building your family through Infinite Option. So thank you for joining me today. And our guest on the show today is a mom to two daughters through Infinite Option. Her name is Lacey Richter. She's an author and speaker and uh, she wrote the book uh, recently published called Refuel Your Weight, Find Hope and Overcoming Fear While Adopting. So I'm uh, really happy to have Lacey on the show today. I mean, the, and the book is really awesome. It's, it's just about her journaling through her weight and all the different weights that we go through, uh, through adoption that we're going to talk about in the interview. She just does an amazing job of how, of how her faith plays a part in her journaling and how it can personally encourage you on in wherever you are in the in the adoption journey as you find yourself in various weights how you can work through them and really find the hope and encouragement so i can't wait for you to listen to this awesome interview with lacy let's get into it right now all right welcome to the show lacy how are you doing today Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I'm I'm very thankful to have you on. I love having authors on, especially that are uh, adoptive families, because they just I love being able to tell your story, and you tell your story wonderfully through your book, and I can't wait to get into that. Thank but you. But I first want to tell or ask you just if you could, and I know you tell your story so wonderfully in the in the book, it's, it might be hard to. Uh, tell your story in just a, a little brief synopsis here, but if you could uh, tell us what led you and your husband to adoption and then how your adoption journey went. Yeah, we actually came to adoption as a family building option after we experienced infertility. And early on in our marriage, coincidentally, we had already discussed adoption, even when we weren't ready to start building a family because some really good friends of ours had gone through infertility, and then they had walked through their adoption journey. And so we got to see a little peek into it. Um, and so we had kind of just talked through like, hey, what would we do if that happened to us? And so um, it was always on the table already. And then my husband, he grew up with an aunt who was a foster mom and also an adoptive mom. So we were just really inspired by her and her story. So we never really struggled with that decision of if we um, can't have biological children, what will we do? We always knew what we were going to do. Yeah, that's really nice to be able to see somebody has gone through the journey before you just to even spark that idea. That's really nice. Yeah, it was. And so you guys were on the same page, like you kind of agreed on everything before you started your journey then. Did either one of you had any hesitation? Uh, no, I don't think we had a hesitation on like, was adoption the journey for us? Of course, when you get into the journey, there are quite a few decisions to make, as I'm sure you remember. Um, and so there was always discussion throughout the, you know, the rest of the journey. But as far as just, is it an option for us? We were always on the same page that way. 
That's really good. That's really good. That's important to do. And I know a lot of us have talked about that in the podcast and even in Facebook groups about how important that is. And it's not always everybody's experience. So uh, I'm glad you're able to do that. Uh, how long did you wait or how much time did you have like before you started the pro when you started the process to like when your first daughter was placed with you? Yeah, everyone always wants to know that, yeah. right? How long did you wait? That's the, <laughs> the big wait, question. Which is exactly what your book is about. So It is, yeah. So uh, my first daughter, once we, you know, checked all those boxes, home study was done, profile book was active, we waited 10 months before we were matched with her birth mother. And then, um, as you probably read in the book, we were matched very early with her birth mother. Mm. She was only 17 weeks pregnant. So the, we then had like a longer time to wait until she was uh, born. And then my second daughter, when we told our agency we were ready to adopt the second time, we were actually matched very quickly within three weeks. But that adoption, that match didn't happen. And then um, as you read my journey throughout the book, you notice that in one year, we experienced three interrupted adoptions for various reasons. And so we waited 15 months until my second daughter was born and we were matched with her the day after she was born. And I like how you call it interrupted adoptions. You know, a lot of people will call it disrupted or failed match or stuff like that. But I think it's a little more positive uh, wording to use interrupted adoptions because it's really, and you're, when you're, what I mean by that is, to explain it or to define it is you were matched. You had uh, a connection already with a, so a birth mom picked you, expected mom, yeah. I should say, not a birth mom at that point, expected mom picked you, you were matched. You were going to have, you felt like this adoption was going to take place, but then for whatever reason it didn't. And you had three different occasions of that in one year in between your two daughters, correct? Like in, on your, on your way to having your second daughter placed with yes. you. Yeah. And, and I will go to what you said about the interrupted adoption. So when I first wrote my book, I was using the term failed adoption. Mm. Um, and I talk about it quite frequently. So it was a lot it written in my book a lot. And then I started to just learn more that, you know, it's, it's not a negative thing for the expected parent because right. they have found resources they have made a plan family members have stepped in all these different reasons that they now can parent and so i changed my wording to interrupted from failed yeah and it really leads to your the title of your book refuel your weight find hope and overcome fear while adopting i mean that is absolutely what i've felt as i was reading your book and i read your book so quickly and thank you for sending me a copy uh i read it through it so quickly and i know it's not necessarily meant to do that. Your book's more of a journal. It's a, it's your journal, but then how you lay it out is wonderful because chapter by chapter, it makes you want to pause and think and you ask really thought provoking questions and makes you want to stop and rest and re refuel your weight is perfect. That's the perfect way to say it because that's how you're going through your book. So I want to, we can step into more of your, of your story here as we go, but I wanted to ask you just what led you to write that book. Of um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for that huge compliment because that's exactly how I want people to perceive my book is like, um, just 
you know, little snippets of the story and then encouragement and, and kind of journaling through their fears. So what, how, how refuel your weight started out was like you said, it was my journal when I was, um, when my husband and I were trying to conceive. And then when we entered that medical world of fertility treatments and then on into the adoption process, I struggled so much with just loss of control and loss of like what I had planned out for myself and my family. And so I was journaling. I didn't, I knew I liked to write, but I didn't realize how much writing really helped me process my emotions and my fears. And so I was sharing a little bit of my writing on social media and some friends and family of mine would say, oh man, we really love what you're sharing. We love how you're sharing it. And they said, you should write a book. And I think what happens sometimes when people hear you should write a book, they're like, oh, that's a great compliment. <laughs> but, but my brain took it as a call to action. And I was like, yeah, I should write a book. I should write a book to help encourage people and make them feel less lonely in this process. Yeah. And it will. And absolutely. Anybody listening to this, if you get that book and you should, uh, it will help you. It will help you find the hope and overcome the fear. And like you said in your book, you're a self-proclaimed planner and uh, God had other ideas as he always does in the adoption world. When we're going through our adventure to adopt, that's, uh, you don't, as well as you want to plan things out and make things uh, set in the right direction that you want them to go, they're probably not going to go that way, as you well found out uh, in your journey to adopt your two daughters. Um, and when you said, I, I think it was here at page 48, you said, we often work hard, fail, and then pass it back to God after we've been defeated. I really, I really felt that that jumped out off the page to me because absolutely in our three adoptions exactly is the same we wanted to work hard we wanted to get after it we wanted to plan we wanted to just be a family and fail is is a interesting word big word and it it doesn't necessarily mean you're you can't do it anymore or you're done or whatever it's it's and you talk about this in the book too uh, how you journal about surrendering and giving it over to god and and that's how I felt as I was reading your story and how I remember our journeys. Now, how, did you feel like that way throughout your whole journey or how did, what brought you to making that kind of a statement? Um, you know, I had to remind myself every day. I had to remind myself of that every day because it wasn't just like something I thought about. It was like, okay, I need to surrender all this and let someone else be in charge. But like I said, you, I can you keep hand, sometimes in life, you keep handing things, you know, you hand them over to God and you say, here you go, you're in charge. And then when things aren't turning out the way you want them, you kind of pull them back mm-hmm. and you're like, well, then I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then you realize you're just spinning your wheels and there's only so much you can do until you just have to, you know, you don't have control of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you say, uh, for six years, you experienced waiting, the waiting season filled with fears and doubts and tears and prayers and heartache and joys and growth. And not one piece of the journey was wasted. There was purpose in each and every decision, twist and turn. And uh, if you could share with, and I, I think everybody might be thinking, what are these three interrupted adoptions? What was what was that look like? What did you do? How did, <laughs> and how did you handle it? 
So I wonder if you could just briefly just talk about those three interruptions. And I, I know it's, it was it might be painful to even think back on it. I know it was painful for me listening or reading your book and going, oh, but if you could talk about those and um, how you went through them and got through it. Yeah. Um, so that's not a short story. No, but, I know. <laughs> but I'll try to um, yeah. sum it up for you. So the first one, you know, like I said, we were matched within three weeks and that, that expectant mother, she was, she was due within that, within that month. And what happened was the week before she was, you know, she was 39 weeks gestation and she felt some pain and she went to the ER. And when she got there, they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. Hmm. And I mean, we weren't, we were not, she wasn't prepared for that. We weren't prepared for that. No, no one was, you know, you may prepare yourself a little bit for an interrupted adoption for, for the death of a baby. Nope. No one's prepared for that. And, and I think what we struggle with the most is we didn't know what our role was at that point. Like, does she want us there? You know, what, what do we go to her? Do we support her? What do we do? Mm -hmm. And so, um, we, I just kind of had to, get on my knees and pray and tell like, what do, where do I need to go and what do I need to do? And so, um, that, that was a hard, a hard thing. And we didn't know after we sort of processed that, how soon do we go on to the next one? And then the next one happened, you know, after, a few months after that. And that was, um, just a very young birth mother who, I don't think she ever wanted, to, she was an expectant mother, excuse me. I don't think she ever wanted to place her child, but I think her family was pushing her to do so. And we spent a lot more time waiting and we were at the hospital and we named her. And that was a very different experience that took me a while to go through. Um, there was a lot of anger in that one. And I don't know who we were angry at because there was really no one to be angry at but that's just an emotion that I'll tell you we experienced. But then when I really sat down and realized what that meant, what it meant for her to come up with a plan and get some resources and be able to parent her child. Um, that's what really helped me get through it because I would never, ever want to parent a child knowing that her mother wanted to parent her. Mm -hmm. and she wasn't committed in that decision. Right. And then the third one was sort of a, along the same lines. It was some family members who stepped into parent, but you can imagine by that time we're really exhausted and um, just heartbroken and grieving and not sure what we want to do next. And I'm going to tell you, my husband and I sat down and we discussed just stepping out of the adoption process at that point. Yeah. I think a lot of people would, I, nobody would blame you for that at that point. How did you get past that? Well, it didn't take long, actually. I, you would think that was a very long discussion, but we talked through it and then just kind of looking at each other, we knew, we knew we didn't, we wanted our daughter to have a sibling and we wanted our daughter to have someone in life to talk to things about that we might not understand, like adoption and transracial adoption. Both my daughters, uh, my husband and I are white and my daughters are uh, biracial, African-American and Caucasian. And I wanted them to have each other. Um, 
And so we just looked at each other and we said, we're not done. You know, we want another child and we want our daughter to have a sibling. Yeah. Those were the, gets down to the core at that point, doesn't it? Where you're just saying, why are we doing this? What do we really want? Yeah. Right. You have to revisit that why. But I also think, and you talk a lot about this in the book is you really dig down into your faith too. Like how much you can't do this on your own. And as people of faith, you and I, I know, agree that you've got to really rely on God to help you get through it because you can't do it on your own. And that's why you got to the point where you're like, ah, we're defeated, we're done. But I think through your faith, from what I can tell through your book and how you journaled about it and worked through it is that you felt him lift you up and go, you can do this and I'm going to give you the strength to do it. And it carried you and it carried you through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, talking about that, Tim, you know, I've always had a faith. I grew up in a a Catholic household, but I never really did a lot of work around my faith. And, And when I got to this point in my life where I had no control over what was happening and I just, I really, I needed some comfort and some peace and, and even some wisdom. And so I, I was like, I don't know where else to go or where else to turn. And that's where my faith journey, I don't want to say it started, but it, I really dove into mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I turned to a lot of scripture. My book uses um, the scriptures that I was hearing and that were really encouraging me during this time. And, and that's where I found all the promises that I needed. I love the scripture on every every chapter you've got, you've got a little scripture quote here. And it was really interesting because good timing, or maybe it was a God thing. I'm sure it was that in our Facebook group, uh, somebody had asked uh, what favorite scriptures you have for going through the wait. And I'm like, Mm. boy, this is perfect. And I need to, and I will share your book uh, with that person because uh, yeah, you do a great job of sharing that scripture through that. So through your experiences, through your, these three, interrupted adoptions. Um, talk to us about how that after that third interruption went and you were kind of feeling defeated and you got picked back up, you knew what you wanted. How did that third one go? Can you talk about how that went and then what it was like to hold your second daughter in your arms after all that you went through? Yeah, well, I don't want to give away the whole story, no, the whole don't, book, no, no. <laughs> but that one's actually a pretty fabulous story too. Yeah. Um, you know, what we did was when my husband and I sat down and said, you know, we're going to stay in it. Um, we we actually tried to control it again. We came up with these things that we told our social worker. We said, hey, you know, re- we really need you to guard our hearts and maybe only call us if the expectant parents, um, if the baby's already born, I'm sorry, if the baby's already born. Cause we thought this will alleviate some of the weight for us. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we said, you know, Hey, and just maybe find out if there's any family members around that could possibly step in and help. We were just trying to control it, trying to make sure that we weren't going to have another interrupted adoption and I could see what we were doing. Um, and so what happened was our social worker called us and 
She said, you know, there was a baby born at your local hospital um, yesterday and her expectant parents, both of them, birth, uh, expectant mom, expectant dad, they want to meet you. Um, and I thought, well, this is great that, you know, the baby's already born and both expectant parents want to make this plan. And then um, she let me know that the baby had been born at 25 weeks gestation. And she was what they called a micro preemie. She was under two pounds. And then I just stopped and I thought, okay, God, <laughs> like, like, I don't even know what to do with this. I was so fearful because in my head, I had no experience with such a medically fragile baby. And in my head, I immediately thought we could say yes to this and this baby might not survive. And I was terrified. Especially after all you've been through. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, we said yes and we put our faith on the line for sure. And she is <laughs> the healthiest, um, <laughs> most stubborn five-year-old that I know. She's a little small for her size. She's at gymnastics class right now, but um, I, I call her our medical miracle she's amazing yeah and you do go into a lot more detail in the book which uh it i recommend people reading because it does it pulls you in i mean you did a great job of pulling pulling people in and 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 the purpose of your book or part of the purpose of your book i feel like is to and what worked for you is journaling and i recall back to a few of our adoptions where I did but I wasn't exactly journaling I was kind of writing down facts like this is what we did this day this is what we did yeah. this day but I see a whole lot of good coming from if you could just not just write the facts but write how you feel anyway the pur- the purpose of journaling I think and I see it in your story is to bring out your feelings and bring out what you're going through so you can work through it, especially uh, with your faith involved. So I I see not only that in you, but I see that in anybody who reads the book going, wow, I see the the benefit of journaling. Can you talk about that, how that worked with you throughout your journey? Yeah. Well, I have a couple of things to say about that. Actually, I think what it does is it slows you down because uh, we do not live in a slow world. Mm -mm. It's so much information coming at us all the time. Um, and just things we need to do, do this, do that, say this, say that. And I think the journaling and the questions after each chapter, which was my goal was just to have people slow down and actually think through like you're having these fears, but these fears are okay. And then also to think about like, what's, what is the reality? What, what is the chance that this fear is actually going to happen? Um, sometimes our fears are trauma based and not reality based. My husband kind of picks on me a lot because I have, I still have all these crazy fears now that I'm a parent, like, Oh, my kid's going to fall and do this and do that. He's like, like, think about that's really not going to happen. And even if it does happen, even if your fears do happen, how could you handle that? How could you go through that? You know, it's like, like our daughter being born so early and so medically fragile. Like we never, I I didn't know that was a fear of mine, but it was. And like, you know, I could journal through that and, and how to handle that. And then 
The second thing I want to say, because you said you had, you journaled a little bit and you wrote down some dates and things. And what I'm noticing now about my journaling and the sort of notes I took is that my oldest daughter is seven and being able to share with her the date we found out she was, you know, the baby was a girl, the date we actually met her birth mother, all of these things that we were experiencing in our weight and in our adoption journey, to be able to share that with her. She loves hearing these details. It really connects her with her birth mother and um, connects her with her story. And so that's another benefit of journaling. Or if you don't want to just, if you're not a writer, just at least keep a calendar. Yeah, it's a great idea. And it sounds like you've been telling them or a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more of their stories as they get older. Yeah. And I highly recommend that too. anybody that's listening, if you have adopted or maybe you haven't adopted yet, but it's very, first of all, very important to share that story, their story with them and protect yeah. their story uh, and don't share all the um, details that you may not want to, to get out there. Right. Because it is their story and there's something for them to hear or them to tell, I should say, and if they want to as they get older. Um, but it gives them that right or that ability to tell it if they want to and not just to hear it from somebody else and go, oh, that's my story. Why are you telling me yeah. this? <laughs> so it's a pretty important part of, of the adoption journey because adoption doesn't just stop when the child's plays with you. I mean, that's really the beginning. You know, we have yeah. this, we have this long wait time where we're, we're waiting for the child to be placed with us and building our family. But really adoption starts when that child's placed with you because uh, the ear forever family. Absolutely. Um, so why should, I know we already talked about some of this, I guess, but what in your mind, why would hopeful adoptive parents get your book and, and why should they be reading it now? Well, they should get it because I wrote it for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. But, you know, um, I really wrote it to encourage them and make them feel less alone. Uh, I know I wrote a blog post for you recently about how lonely my husband and I felt in the adoption process, because although you have, you know, lots of friends and family who were, you know, listening and asking and giving you hugs when you need them, it still feels alone. You still feel alone because only other waiting adoptive families or families who have gone through this process can really understand the emotions and the nuances of adoption to be able to encourage you and support you. So I really, I think that my book can make hopeful adoptive parents feel less alone. And also like you were talking about the kind of the questions, the action items and journaling questions I wrote at the end of each chapter I wrote these hoping that a waiting adoptive parent could use these tools to sort of turn their weight from just sitting by the phone and sitting, waiting for that email and just letting time tick away to a more joyful time, an expectant time, um, a time of peace and, and just change, sort of change that narrative in their head that the weight is awful <laughs> and just make it more joyful. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, 
you talk about in the book too, all the different types of waiting. I mean, that you go through and it is true. If, if you're just listening to this podcast and you are going, well, I, I, I know you got to wait to, for a child to be placed with you, but how much waiting is there? What kind of waiting is there? Well, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you explain it well in the book, but you, you wait to get to the, maybe the decision to adopt. Maybe you wait to figure out what agency or attorney is going to help you. Maybe you wait to get your home study done. You're waiting to get your background checks done. You're waiting to get your profile done. Then when you get all that done, you're waiting to be matched. And then when you're, <laughs> you could be waiting after you're matched, like you did for weeks, uh, or yeah. maybe it's a short match. Uh, there's all these waiting and some of them are longer than others. Some of them are more stressful and tenuous than others. But I think that's what I love about your book is because you give us all a ability to stop, reflect, and focus on journaling, focus on, or at least thinking <laughs> about yeah. your journey and going, okay, we're waiting. And I know this is not the funnest thing to do right now, but how can we pull out the hope? How can we pull out the joy in our waiting and what can we do? So I wanted to ask you that, which is a few, what are your few of your best tips for, and I know there's different parts of waiting. We just talked about what are your few of your best tips for folks while they're waiting to adopt? Yeah, I would say one that I've already said, keep a journal. And if you don't like to write, at least keep a calendar for the reasons that we talked about for you to be able to share with your children later and just to help you kind of process that weight. And then I would say create a community. Um, I know a lot of us have like a love-hate relationship with social media, but it's so (laughs) beneficial to connect, to use it to connect with other waiting adoptive families and even trying to find some local waiting adoptive families who can just really walk you through that journey and understand how you're feeling and give you a lot of support. And then um, something I talk a lot about in my book is to seek joy now. I know a lot of times we're like, oh, we'll go on vacation later once we get the good news that we're matched or, or just wait. We just wait around to do all these things when I would argue that the time to do fun, joyful things is while you're waiting because it can make it just a better time, you know, like go on vacation, go on dates, go open a really nice bottle of wine. Like don't wait until the baby comes because as you and I know, Tim, you may not have time to do all that stuff afterwards. So, you know, invite some of that fun, fun joy in right now while you're waiting. And then my last tip, I I always share this when I'm speaking to groups of waiting adoptive parents, is to focus on the fact that if you want to become a parent and you've started the adoption parent, it's not if you're going to be a parent, it's more like when you're going to be a parent. So just focus on the fact that, that you are going to be a parent. And what I mean by that, let me kind of sort of back up, is like a lot of us that are building our families through adoption We come from that infertility world where we could do all the right things. We could take all the hormones and eat the right diet and we could, um, you know, spend all the money and and, and we could still be empty armed. But when you decide that adoption is how you're going to build your family, it's not if anymore. 
you're going to be a parent. The hard part is just not knowing when and knowing the details. 100% agree with that. And I tell people that all the time. If you don't give up, you will adopt. If you give right. up, you won't adopt. Yeah. And that is it's so true. Um, well said. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you was, and I, I, another part of your book that kind of a little phrase that jumped out at me too. I had not heard it before, but it makes a lot of sense to think about. And you talk about identifying your sorrow triggers. And I never, I'm like, what is a sorrow trigger? But you really talk about it well in your book and you're talking about just things that maybe trigger you to, well, let me, I'll have you explain it. What are you, what do you feel like your sorrow triggers? What could be your sorrow triggers, especially as you're going through the adoption world? Journey? Yeah. Um, so sorrow triggers is actually an interesting term. I like that, but also I think I write a lot about it in some blog posts and I call it distractions. Mm. And so what I mean by that is like, and, and the sorrow trigger thing is like kind of sit down and notice when you're having these sort of what types of distractions are giving you these negative feelings and some type, some things as an example that gave me negative feelings while I was waiting were baby showers. Mm -hmm. And Tim, I don't know if you were, <laughs> how many baby showers your wife was invited to while you guys were waiting, but too many. Some of us, <laughs> you really dread it. You know, you want to be joyful for other family members and friends, but it just really um, sometimes doesn't bring up good feelings. So I would say, you know what, if it's like your best friend's second, third cousin, go ahead and skip it. You don't have to go to it. But if it's like your best friend or a sister, then maybe just talk to that person about how you're feeling and what it feels like. Um, to go to that celebration and then go to the celebration and then just give yourself some time afterwards to process and just be a little bit sad if you need to. Um, some other distractions for me was the social media posts from certain adoption agencies and adoption professionals, just seeing that picture of that newborn baby and although they're just announcing it and they're happy for the family, like those were really, those were hard for me because it brought up a lot of feelings of why not me? Mm. Why haven't we been matched yet? Right. And so if you're noticing these feelings, I would stop following, just clean up your feed and stop following things that are making you feel um, just bringing you sorrow or bringing you the, that those feelings of why not us yet. Um, I'm trying to think of what other things this baby shower, social media you posts. You mentioned hospital pictures too. Like, just, Oh, the hospital really picture. Got, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about that. So that actually happens to me even today. So, um, you know, I've pro I've processed my infertility and I am, very happy and joyful in my family, but infer infertility and a grieving process, it doesn't just go away. It's right. cyclical. And there are things that can kind of bring it up and, and, um, trigger you into those emotions. And for me, it's that hospital picture because you see that mom laying in that bed, you know, that fresh faced baby and husband's on the side and, when you're in the adoption world, your hospital picture, it looks way different. If you even get a hospital picture. Exactly. Um, 
And, and in the end, I, I actually have a blog post I wrote and our hospital picture was beautiful because it was our daughter's birth mom and us and our daughter, but it looked a lot different than other people's hospital pictures. And sometimes that can bring up a little bit of sorrow for people. Yep. 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 I think we probably all can relate to that if we've adopted and, and if you haven't yet, uh, it's something to think about and, uh, work through and, and, and in the honor of your book journal about, because I think it, if you're a writer at all, even if you don't feel like you're a writer, just try it. I think, uh, it's pretty cathartic writing things out and, yeah. And, and just, it doesn't have to sound beautiful. No, it can just no. be, <laughs> whatever comes just to your mind, your notes. Yeah, yeah, whatever comes <laughs> to your mind. Um, and you may really find that it's, it's, it's helpful to you and, and you may not even realize that until way later. But uh, I think it's worth it's worth a shot, and I would say anybody who is considering adoption or in the wait right now, get your book. It's called Refuel Your Weight: Find Hope and Overcome Fear While Adopting. Um, great book. I don't know, where can folks find you, connect with you, and get your book? You can find my books everywhere. Books are sold on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and ChristianBookstores.com. But, you know, I really like to sell from my personal inventory. I have a personal inventory and you can buy it on my website, which is www.lacy with an I Richter.com. Um, and I like to sell from my personal inventory because it helps me connect with my readers and I can send them little notes and I can hear their stories and learn about where they are in their adoption journey and just really encourage them. I love that. And also I have an author page on Facebook called Refuel by Lacey Richter. And I just do a bunch of writing and rambling and sharing about adoption and more so parenting right now because I'm in that parenting season. Um, and it's just a really great genuine community of, of parents. And you can find out all the projects I'm working on. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram at Lacey Richter. Yeah, I, I love your website. It's really Thank good you. to it's it's easy I and mean, right at the top there you see click here to order. So I would recommend yeah. anybody yes going through and getting that the book through her website. And we'll have links for you on this in the show notes at infiniteadoptionguide.com. So it'll be easy to find and connect with Lacey. So what are what else are you working on? Are you working on what's your next project? You have anything in the works? I do. I have a couple of things. Actually, the last time somebody asked me this question, I said, oh, I'm starting a new book this summer <laughs> and it's called <laughs> Refuel Your Parenting. Ah. Because although I love to encourage hopeful adoptive parents and, and those in the adoption world, you know, I'm in a parenting season now. So I also really love to encourage parents and and write about like the challenges and the joy and a lot of laughter that happens in that parenting season. But I pushed the timeline back on that and I've decided to just sit at the pool and eat popsicles with my kids this summer <laughs> and I'm going to start the book in the fall instead. Good for you. And then secondly, I'm just working on growing my freelance writing business and I create content. So for adoption professionals and agencies, websites, blogs, parenting blogs, anyone who's looking to... Um, that needs a writer or needs some content for their website. I am, they can hire me to do that. 
Um, I'm actually a social media manager for my husband's new business right now. So I'm, I've got that project going too. And so if anybody's looking for a writer, they can just reach out to me on my website. Very nice. Yep. It's all there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really enjoy, I mean, it was a very quick conversation because uh, I just enjoyed hearing your story and, and your book is a wonderful book. Uh, I highly recommend anybody getting it, but thank you for sharing your heart and your, your story. Uh, so much more details in the book. So get the book and you'll know more about what Lacey and her husband went through uh, to bring their two girls home. So thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. I had a great time. It's my favorite thing to do is share my story and hopefully encourage other people. So I appreciate you having, on, having me on today. Yes. Go get the book. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Lacey. Thank you. All right. Great interview with Lacey Richter. Oh, man, just fabulous stuff. Fabulous ideas. I love her book. Uh, go get it. Refuel Your Weight by Lacey Richter. Have the show notes in here for you at infiniteadoptionguide.com forward slash 89. Uh, just love of hearing stories and uh, having an author like this that are, are a mom that's willing to tell her story in a book is just amazing. And uh, I hope you do go get the book. A lot of things, as we were talking about that, just connected me back to our three adoptions. So I hope wherever you are in your journey as you listen to this, that uh, you always remember or hang on to the hope, like Lacey said, that uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you adopt if you don't give up. That's so important to hang on to. So do that. And if you uh, need some help or additional support, go to our Facebook group. We got a private Facebook group that just, uh, we, we support each other. We're, I'm the admin. So uh, answer just a couple of questions you can get in and uh, we'll talk. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there to support you along the way. Go to infiniteadoptionguide.com. And at the top there, there's a way to get into the Facebook group. So until next time, I will keep you in my prayers as you are on the journey to adopt. And I hope that happens really soon for you. And we'll talk to you next time on the show. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.